How do we create moments and value for our children in a world of disconnecting that enables them to connect with themselves and help them understand the value in that? Welcome back to another episode of Jeducation, where parenting and Jewish education merges. In this episode, we continue our conversation with Rabbi Dr. Gil Pearl, where Rabbi Pearl answers this question and many, many more topics focused specifically on parenting. Rabbi Pearl has a fresh take on our generation's biggest challenge to parenting and educating children and how to deal with it, which was really interesting to hear. And it was interesting to finally hear an answer that was different than technology. It was, it was interesting. And Rabbi Pearl discusses the importance of tuning in to what our children really enjoy and helping them shine in those areas and how that can help towards raising children in their Avodah Hashem, how that really can help inspire them and help them connect in a real, genuine way. And Rabbi Pearl also discusses the importance of having the skill set to talk about Hashem and why it's not such a given that all parents or even educators have that skill set and how we can overcome that, how we can develop that, and so, so much more. Again, if you have any questions and any ideas of what you would like to hear, please reach out to us at jeducation.org. We really appreciate the feedback and the ideas that we keep getting week in and week out, and we look forward to being able to continue to give you great education advice. In addition, join our WhatsApp group or our emailing list for the latest updates, videos, and don't worry, it's not a spamming group, so you'll just get those. And a reminder to give a rating on Apple Podcasts, follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Without further ado, let's get to the episode. Welcome to the Jeducation Podcast. My name is Yair Manchel. Jeducation, where parenting and Jewish education merge to give our children the best possible experience. Whether you chose to be an educator by profession or not, we are all Jewish educators. Day in and day out in our own homes, we are educating our children on what it means to be a Jew, what it means to be a good person. And sometimes, perhaps most of the time, the education children receive in their homes is more impactful than the formal education they receive in school. Check us out at jeducation.org today and remember to subscribe to the podcast. What would you say to uh, parents? What advice? What any anything? Any messages? You know, I, I I really do believe, and as I said before, I, you're asking the wrong <laughs> half of the couple, but um, but I'll I'll, sh- I'll share a few things with you on the on the parenting side. First of all, what we were speaking about before again, this this idea of choice, I think, is incredibly powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this shifts a little back, to, a little bit back to the educational world, but um, there is one of my favorite pieces in the Nitziv. It is uh, his parish on the on, on the phrase Chacham Leif. It, uh, I think the first time it appears is in Parshat Tetzava. There he says Chacham Asalev is Yiras Hashem, but in uh, later on in Vayakel, he he asks the following question, right? He, in trying to understand what or add an additional layer of, of interpretation on this word Chacham Leif. He says, um, how's it possible that um, we had Jewish people in the Midbar who knew how to do tapestry right, right. Right, and gold work yeah. right, and engineering that people I feel right, like don't think about it. Yeah. Like, where did they come from? Right. Right? They were, I mean, they were slaves in Egypt. How did it happen? So he literally writes, he says, this is what happened. Call one out and said, anybody who's interested in doing this work, come to the Mishkan. Mm-hmm. Right? And... And they had all these different areas right, sort of set up, right? And they asked them, what would you like to do, mm. right? And once they got to make that choice, and Lindsay literally writes there, making the choice advances their learning, right? Far, or accelerates their learning far faster 
than they would if they hadn't chosen that mm. particular area. Right. Um, and that's how they did it, right? Just by saying, well, I've always wanted to, you know, to be a gold worker, right. you know, then, right. all right, go ahead and do it. And, and you're going to see how they're going to blossom. So, so I think that, I think it's true in education. I think it's true in parenting. I think listening and, and tuning yourself in early on to what is it, what, what is it that gets your child, you know, passionate? Where, right, right. where, where do they really feel like they're in their element? Um, and not where, where you get passionate right, or right, would right. have, you know, we, my, my third child, our, our son, Benny was, when he was two years old, like we were noticing at the table, there's the minos, he's like, you know, he's going like this and he's got a, you know, he's keeping a, a rhythm, which right. was just unbelievable. And so, you know, we got him a drum set when he was young and to this day, you know, it's just, it's an area, it's an outlet for him and he's, so cool. he's sort of found his musical voice and, and it wasn't like that with any of our other kids, but, but that was his, that was his thing. Right. Um, so I'd say, I'd say, yeah, give, give your, give your children opportunities and then listen closely, mm-hmm. right? Listen, watch what makes them shine. You know? and, and, and sometimes for kids though, it's hard because they're so young. They don't really know. They, they think they're interested in this, but maybe they don't really know. Like, how do you, how do you go along and, with that? And that's okay. Just, just go along that's with okay. it. Right. You know, and, and, and that one thing can change, mm-hmm. right? It really, it really can. It's a great point. Um, but, it's a really great but point. I think it's just as important that they know that you're trying to tune in mm-hmm. to, to their particular, you know, gifts or, or, or interests yeah, as much as it is that they're actually, what they're actually doing. So if it changes from year to year, that's, that's also okay. Right. But, but their knowledge that you want to know and you're helping them to explore themselves and figure out who they are, I think goes a very, very long way. Yeah, totally, totally. And who who were your role models in parenting? I, I, I gotta say it's my wife. That's right. Wow. I'd, I'd say it's my wife. What aspect think, uh, is your... I just think she has done a, a phenomenal job of being a... a, a excelling in her professional life which she she truly does she's an assistant principal now in um katsushiba high school in Boca. Mm, nice. um but always making our kids feel like she, they have her attention mm. they have her ear I, I, the most inspiring thing to me is that my kids come to her to talk about anything yeah. and she is there you know their, how did you their, create their, their that Again, you gotta get you gotta get her okay, on. We'll let her to, let her speak we'll, we'll for we'll herself. Talk, yeah. But um, but she's like the same way she is with her students. She's an amazing listener, um, and she listens deeply. And I think that that when when kids feel that way, mm. right, when they know somebody A is not judging and B is is listening deeply to to what it is you're saying, um, and and not pretending that they hear, but actually hear. I think that creates, uh, you know, a desire to come back and, and talk to them again you totally. know, the next time there's something. On your totally, mind. totally. And, you know, you've, you're as a head of school and creating a school, you must be incredibly busy. And over the years, you've been incredibly busy. How did you make sure to still devote time to parenting and being there for your children? Yeah. And, and also, I guess your wife also, I mean, your, your wife is also, like you said, she excels in her profession, but also make sure to always be there and to be really be able to, to be a listening ear. So I don't know that I've done it. I don't know that I've done it. Certainly, I know that I haven't done it perfectly, that's for sure. And uh, I don't even know how well I've done it. But what I can tell you is a few things. First of all, it happens to me, and I know for, for many people this isn't the case, but it happens to be in our family, having my kids in my own school actually has worked quite well for us. Really? Um, and that was the case um, throughout all, for the last 15 years, for the most part, I've had my all of my kids wow, that's cool. in my school all yeah. the time. Um, and, and I know for me, that's helped me 
not only to see them, but to, but to understand their world and their their lives and right, their teachers right. and what's going on. You know on. what's like really doing in their lives. Right, right, yeah, right. Cool. Now, it's a challenge because at the same time, I can't be the advocate for my kids mm-hmm. as a parent, right. you know, because when I say something <laughs> to that teacher, right, obviously it means something, it means something very different than one of the <laughs> right, parents did. Right. Um, but, but I think just being able to be plugged in that way with help, then obviously that's not great advice for most other people who don't have that opportunity, but I'll give you one other, one other piece that kind of sticks out for me. And honestly, I don't know if this is Latovo or Lara. I mm-hmm. honestly don't know, but I'll say it anyway. If you would say to any of my kids, just say the words and take them in totally different rooms and say the words, vacation Abba, their li- their, their faces will light up. Really? They'll know exactly what you're talking about. Uh-huh. This is a term that they coined, right? Which referred to the fact that there were times where I put school away, right? My whole demeanor changed, mm. right? They could sense I was a different person, wow. right? And that I was there, I was with them. It was light. We were having fun. You right, know, right. we were joking around. And again, I don't know if that's Latova or I don't know if that's just a reflection of how bad things were, <laughs> you know, when, when we weren't on vacation. But I do know that creating those moments and those spaces, and, and, and I mean, these aren't fancy vacations. It doesn't have to cost a lot. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of putting everything away, right. getting away somewhere, right, and just letting your guard down, letting your defenses down, putting that phone away, and, and, and your kids know they know when you're there and they know when you're not there totally, you know? totally. and and so i think just making sure that we had moments like that and that they weren't mm-hmm. too far and few between you know and that you as a mechanic or you as a school leader or you as an executive are are being clear with whoever it is that you work for that you need to have those times where you're just offline um that uh, I think that it creates sort of a, a a bank or a library of moments that are the ones that your kids really do remember totally. and, that, and that that sticks with them. You know, it's very for a true. Lifetime. No, I, I mean I grew up in the house of uh, an educators also, right. and also I remember. I mean, we had good times going up, even not necessarily always vacation, but I remember vacation Ava also. You know, I remember when we, you know, I I never liked ice, ice skating, but I remember I have such a vivid memory of my dad going ice skating with you know with my, me and my siblings. And, you know, all these different trips that we did and like these great road trips. And, you know, I remember that that sticks out to me more sometimes than those other moments, which is which is really interesting. Right. So. And remember, Vacation Ava can be a bike ride on a Sunday afternoon. Totally. Right? And, and that's harder for me. It's harder for me to like turn it on and mm-hmm. turn it off for a couple of hours. But some people really can. And, and I would encourage those people who can, you know, to do so. Don't don't wait for sure. you know twice a year on vacation. But if you can do it on a Sunday afternoon, on a Sunday morning, um, then there's those moments where you're just a hundred percent there. Those are the moments your kids are, your kids are going to remember. Totally. How did you get your children to connect to Hashem? I guess we could talk children and also students, but I guess we'll start with children. Um, work in progress, always a work in progress. Um, the first thing is I think it's important again to recognize that each child is different. And their connections are, are going to be based on different things. Mm-hmm. 
and, and therefore the schooling choices that they may need, you know, may be different. The, the role models that they need may, may be different. So, you know, I have, I have one kid for whom the world of learning and it is really just that that's his world. He, he, he embraced it from a, you mm. know, from, from a young age. We, you know, we learned, started learning Mishnayos together when he was, I think five, um, you know, and, and, and really never stopped. And, and to this day, that's where he finds his, his greatest connection. Mm, that's cool. Um, you know, I mentioned a moment ago, I have another son for whom music was just as, right, it's just right. his thing, you know, and, and listening to that and saying, okay, so how do we, you know, how, how do we, how do we, so I'll give you a great example in each of their, you know, borrow bat, mit, bat mitzvah, right? Each of them looked quite different, right? right. Our oldest son, you know, he made a seum on several sedarim and, and like that was his, that was his thing. That's when right. he needed to shine. Yeah. Right. And my, and, and. You know, my, my daughter, she did a, she, she sings beautifully. So we did a, we did a kunzitz for women, right? Wow. A, 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 a Mlava Malka for women in which, in which she sang and led, right? And then, That's beautiful. and then wow. we did something similar for my, my next son who, for whom was the drummer, right? right? right. And we said, all right, we're going to do like this shalashtudas that moves into Abdallah. Mm. And, uh, you know, That's I, real chanach and it's, it's beautiful. So, and, and each of them, I think when, when they felt like that, you know that 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 this was a way that they could connect and connect mm. with a Kaddish Baruch Hu, but it was different, you know, necessarily than what their what their older siblings. It's like had what done. you were saying before, of like really listening to what their wants are, and you know, channeling that. That's that's really special. Wow, right. that's incredible. Um, and then look, I think there's also there's there's what you do at home, right? There's what there's what you bring into your home, and there's there's the role model that you set, you know, in your home, mm-hmm. and um, the kids watch. Totally. They do. Totally. And I heard you mention on another podcast the that, you know, for educators need to develop the skill set to talk about Hashem. Not, yeah. It's not necessarily always so easy for them to have that skill set because they didn't grow up either being educated how to or they didn't grow up with that. So how can educators develop that? And also how can parents develop that, which is, you know, two very different things. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, yes, I, I, I believe deeply that one of our challenges is that we talk about Hashem a lot when kids are little, mm-hmm. right? Hashem is here, Hashem is there, Hashem is totally everywhere, right? right? Uncle um, Moshe did it great. He did, he <laughs> did, he did a fantastic job. And then we stop, right? And then we stop and we take it for granted, right? That we've done that and kids know that and now, we, now, now, we're, ready right. to, now, right. now we're ready to move on. Um, and, and the challenge is that our, our conception then of what God is, is often stuck in first and second grade mm-hmm. right yeah. and um and then the rest of us is developing and maturing and thinking and asking questions and and that piece of it remains underdeveloped and honestly it doesn't necessarily fare terribly well yeah. you know when it's yeah. when it's underdeveloped that way um, I think part of the challenge, you know, as you referred to, is that we are mechanchim and mechanchot themselves, you know, very often are people who have kind of natural inclination towards emuna. It's not something that they struggled with terribly much. Right, right. And therefore, they don't, they, they never needed the tools or the language, you know, mm-hmm. to, to talk about it more. And so they aren't necessarily empowered to, sure. to do that. So how do they? So, so what do we do? That's a big, uh, that's a big, that's a tough one. <laughs> it is, it, it is a tough one one um so first of all i think that that there are we do have educators out there who have been thinking about these things um from different you know from different perspectives and different mm-hmm. ways whether it be the more philosophical side whether it be more from the world of chasidos and mm-hmm. uh, um and and you know perhaps even kabbalah and and i think we need to harness those people i think we need to give them who are, who are some of those people um you know i think in in, in 
in Israel, right? You have, you know, you have Rav Zinger and mm-hmm, you have, sure. you know, others who are, who are working in that particular, in that particular mode and model. But I think even here, I think, again, I don't know that it's a particular, it's some sort of a giant, but I think we have young people on and who are coming out who have, you know, studied a bit of Chabad and, mm-hmm. and have taken something from that, you know, from that world, um, who are more conversant in the world of, of Jewish philosophy. Um, and I think we need to find ways in our schools to give those people a platform to, mm-hmm. to talk about things that actually have been meaningful and helpful and helpful for them. Um, you know, you, you take a place like, you know, Yeshiva Del Raita, which has, has a, has a, they have a derech, right? Sure. At least some yeah. of their, right? Some of their, their, um, their Rosh Yeshiva do. And, and so now how do we tap into some of the people who, and, right, and bring right. that down to a high school level, right? Where kids can start talking about those, so um, those, appro- those approaches as well. But, but I think even beyond that, I think even if we don't have all the language and all the tools, I think that just opening up conversation with our kids mm. and, and being real about it. Um, conversation so, you're saying specifically about Hashem. Yeah, really about Hashem. So I would do, in Kohelet, I would do a, a course, um, it's once a week, um, over 11th grade, with all of our 11th graders on faith. Mm. Right. And um, the way I would start sounds almost disrespectful, but but the way I would start was that within the introduction um, to the lowly man of faith, mm. the um, the Rav writes, you know, that he was never terribly bothered by issues of science and 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 the, and the Torah, or never terribly bothered by you know the authorship, the questions around the authorship of the Torah, or how you know God could actually reveal Himself, an infinite right, being right. could reveal Himself to to finite beings, and on and on. It's a whole list of things mm-hmm. that He was never bothered by. So I always tell them that first class. I said, "Listen, the reason why I'm teaching this class is because." I'm not the rough. Right, you were bothered by. I've been bothered by every <laughs> right. one of these questions, and totally. I still am. Right, right. And I don't have all the answers. Mm-hmm. Right? But what I'm going to share with you are some approaches I've developed over the years that have helped either either satisfy me or at least take the edge off the question. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I want to share them with you. Right, and and you'll decide, and, and there's always going to be multiple approaches to any question we're, we're we're asking, and you're going to decide which one of them really speaks to you. So you developed this ability to talk about it through philosophy and through, yeah, yeah, it's largely yeah, largely through um, through philosophical texts for sure, both from within you know our Masora and mm-hmm. those that from out that that help, but not like deep and heavy philosophy. We would do this with all of our eleventh graders, and and in combined class, it wasn't tracked. Um, but it was light enough, you know, that everybody really, I think, could could dive in um, and contribute something. And how, you know, how much it helped, I can't say for sure. Right, but uh, right. but I know at least at the moment, kids appreciated that opportunity. Sure. I would hear from parents, you know, we, that um, you know they came back and they were, we're talking about the kinds of things we mm, talked about in cool. school. So so that's, I would, that's a big I, sign, right there. I'd, I'd say finding those people, those members of your faculty, mm-hmm. right, who who are. Who who have wrestled with some of these questions? Who sure. have, for whom you know, and and giving them opportunities to you know, and, and spread that you know, spread their impact a little bit wider than than just maybe a schmooze in their own particular class, mm-hmm. you know, on a on a Friday. Give them oh, that's the, a good idea. Give them the opportunity to speak to you know more widely and 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 to do what they do and they do uniquely, right. you know, across a larger hmm. swath of your students. That's student a great body. idea. Wow. And what about for parents? How can parents? Uh... Yeah. So I think for parents, it's 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 somewhat similar in the sense that I, I think that as parents are often afraid to be vulnerable around our you know, around our questions and around mm-hmm. our own, our own religious development. That's very true. Um, and, and I think our, 
our, our kids will sometimes interpret that as you have it all figured out, right? But I don't, and therefore we're different, right? right? Um, and because you go to shul, you know, every morning, or because you, mom, daven every morning, right? You must have, you know, you have no questions, mm-hmm. right? You have it all, you've got it all figured out. I can't relate to that, mm-hmm. you know? So I think that opening up and obviously it has to be developmentally appropriate. Right, I was going right? to say, it's what age would that be? Right, it's not when kids are, it's not when kids are still developing. I, I'd say it's high school age mm-hmm. and, and be real with them. You know, was davening always easy for you? And if it was good, own that, right? Own it. Davening was always easy for me, but you know what? This is an area that's been difficult for me. Right. You know, I mean, there, there are plenty of, I'm just going to give you one example. And we have plenty of men in our community who struggle with all sorts of different mm-hmm. areas of Jewish life. You know, we have, we have women. I mean, there are women who's who, for whom hair covering is not easy. Yeah, It's not totally. easy. Right. Do their daughters at a certain point know that? Do they know that it was a struggle mm-hmm. for them? You know, and that it did, you know, because it'll make the real difference. Yeah, that's such them, a great point. Right? That's to, so insightful. To, to know that, that no, it, it, it's not just a given, right? It was yeah. hard. But, Vulnerability with right? children. But I did So it, important. Right? Wow. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I know that Aryeh ben, ben David and his Ayeka program right, mm-hmm. really stresses this a lot, you know, sort of that sense of opening yourself up. And as a teacher, there need to be boundaries as right? to so how far sure, we, sure. We, we, we introduce our personal lives into them but 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 that sense of a vulnerability of opening ourselves up of making it real for for our kids i think for parents is is extremely important it's interesting because i once uh had a very interesting experience i was once on a flight to uh to visit my in-laws and this person sitting next to me on the plane i was i was learning gamar on the plane ride this person sitting next to me says what are you what are you learning what gamar are you learning didn't look look like a jew didn't like at all and uh turns out not going to say who it was, but he was actually uh, very, very familiar with the Jewish, with Judaism. He was actually a rabbi himself and trained in a lot of texts and had, you know, gone off. And during this flight, he started questioning me a lot. And I was in Smicha at the time and it really messed with my brain a lot. He really, really, really messed with me. And I came back from that trip. I was in Smicha. I came back and I was like, I need help. I, I need to like discover. So that, and I remember at the time being like, why, why did I have to have this experience? And then I thought to myself, maybe the reason I had to have it was so that I could be able to answer some of these questions later on. And I remember actually this year I shared it with my students for the first time that I had that experience because they were asking me some questions and I, and I told them about the experience. And they really, you could see the, the defenses starting going down because they were like, wait, you're being so vulnerable about an experience that you had with questions of faith. And the fact that, you know, like they look up and say like, oh, Rabbi, you know, Rabbi Michelle, whatever. But no, I, you know, I've went through some experiences even when I was, I was studying to be a rabbi and I was still having that, those challenges, those difficulties. And, uh, it, like you said, it was, it's, it was a really powerful experience for my, for my students. It's so interesting. I love the point about vulnerability with, with your own children also. It's, it's very, very powerful. Thank you for sharing that. What would you say are the unique challenges of educating and parenting today's youth? I think it's hard to escape what I think is the biggest challenge that, that we're all facing, which is um, just the mental health amongst mm. our kids today. I mean, you know, the, the, the skyrocketing levels of you know, depression, anxiety, other mental health issues that our kids are struggling with today, mm. wow. um, which, you know, we don't really have good statistics yet, but we knew they were already far higher in this generation than they had been in yeah, previous generations. Totally. And now we have COVID. 
Yeah, right? and yeah. We, we know that COVID has accelerated that. Totally. In, 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 no, I've in seen the mul- effects of COVID right? in my students in a crazy way. It's really... I think we I think we all have. We all know it's there, and so it's 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 gone from bad to worse. Yeah, I, th- I think there's no way around that. So what do we what do we do about that? So the first thing we need to do is we need to be able to to identify it. Mm-hmm. Right, we need to, and I think I think even more so as parents than as educators. Yeah, I was going right? to say this is probably more relevant for it, parents. It, it really is. We need to know what anxiety looks like. We need to know what depression looks like. We need to know the various forms, you know, that it comes in because it's not doesn't always show up, right? right? And, and, but parents, I feel like, way. are so not, not not always, but not always equipped to be able to deal with that because they just they, maybe like you like we were just saying they didn't deal with it themselves, so they don't know they don't see that they don't know the signs. They don't you know so. How do parents handle all this? Yeah, so I think that first of all, you just have to be clued into to shifts, mm-hmm. right? To, to to dramatic change. When you feel like something, something in your child is not right, chances are something in your child is not right. Right, right. right. Um, and and we also need to get over the the stigma, which is still there, right? Where somehow mental health and physical health are two totally different areas, right? One's real and one's not, right? Right. Um, and oh, it's just psychological, mm-hmm. as if it oh, it was just, it's just physical, you know. That doesn't make any sense, right? right. right? It's totally. just psychological. It doesn't make any sense either, right? If it's psychological, it's real, right? And 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 psychological can cause pain, totally, right? Yeah. Again, and, and 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 worse, right? So I think we need to be tuned into it. I think when if we see shifts in our kids, things we can't necessarily explain due to a due to a you know a physical ailment of some sort. Um, we need to start asking questions, mm-hmm. right? And there's there's plenty of good information and resources online, right, for for identifying the various sure. um, signs of whether it be you know anxiety or depression. Um, but the the sooner that we we see it, and the sooner that we open ourselves up to it and get um, and help our kids, you know, get get the, the help and the resources support that they need, the better off our kids are going to be. Yeah, um, totally. And it's, it's often when it goes untreated and, and um, you know, in, or intentionally ignored, right, that we land up with bigger kids and bigger problems, right. you know, when they, when they get to high school sure, or, sure. Or, or sometimes even college and young adulthood. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we just, we have to own this as a community and as a society. The numbers are, are, incredibly high so there's a very good chance unfortunately yeah very yeah, good chance very true. right that that your child if you and if you have four or five children it, it's almost a given yeah right yeah. That, that at least one of your children is going to be struggling with a mental health issue at some sure. point right in their in in their adolescence or even younger um and and okay so we would have wished it was it wasn't that way but we do have plenty of ways today right to to help right and to treat in ways that we didn't before and we have to get those kids the help that they need right so you're saying i mean as parents being aware of it is just the first step but then after that you know taking them to whatever it is to get them the help that they need exactly you know whether it's whether it's a therapist and that's certainly where we would start mm-hmm. always right? sure. with uh you know with the psychologist of some sort right um and perhaps it's behavioral therapy if they're younger kids you know perhaps it's it's play therapy um you know, ultimately, again, if, if if a psychologist, if a medical professional says, I think medication is, uh, you know, is is is, is a good route, I, I think we have to right. be okay, you know, right. And, right. and understand that just like we would take medication for anything else, this might be, you know, this is going to, it will change your child's life. Yeah, and the, yeah. Again, and as coming from the, from the vantage point of a, of a school administrator, the number of kids 
you know, that we've seen who, whose parents do take it seriously yeah. and get them the help that, you know, the help they need, whose lives change so dramatically right. um, when they, when they do, I, I can't emphasize enough the bracha it can be and, and the gift that it can be to your children. Yeah. Right. If you, if you tuned into it and get them, get them the help that they yeah. need. Unfortunately, I think like you're saying, I'm, unfortunately it's like a stigma that I feel like people are not necessarily so okay with being so open about. And that's why it's like, it's a little bit of this taboo in our community, which is a shame. And, uh, you know, I'm so happy that you're bringing that to light because, uh, I think it's important for our listeners to hear it and for all educators, all parents, educators to, to be thinking about it because, uh, like, like you're saying, it's, it's so prevalent. And so, uh, it's, it's such a major issue that people are dealing with and, you know, challenged with this, these days. I'm happy you said it, and it's interesting that you didn't say technology because I feel like most people usually say technology, which I'm happy you didn't say. But what would you say is your take on technology? Well, first of all, I think I actually think they're related, right? And, and, yeah, and, no, you know, I and, um, agree. You know, Jean Twenge in her book iGen, right, and she kind of draws the, the the connection between sure. the two. That in fact we've seen this spike in mental health issues once you know technology became ubiquitous and in, in sort of this iGen where everybody's got a their their own device and can mm-hmm. be connected all the time, and 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 the rise of social media, right, and the impact that social media yeah, has on our on our kids' own sense of self, right? Which no question about it that it's it's um it, it they're 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 deeply related to one another. Yeah, the leaked Instagram files and everything, you know, all that. Right, 100%. Sure. It's it's clear. Um, but when it comes to technology, I I would I would differentiate. I would I would say not all technology is the same. Mm-hmm. I, w- I wouldn't lump it all together. Sure. Um I would say we obviously need to recognize that and, and we now know for sure that the appeal of that te- there's much that our kids are doing online that is intentionally addictive. Um, it's, it's intended that way, right? That's how we draw them in. Like it's, it's the infinite scroll, right? right? Which is intended in order to keep you connected and and just continuously keep you connected. Right. So, so we have to understand it it is an intentionally addictive substance. That's that's what it is. Totally. Right. And just like the, the, you know, the, the tobacco industry who knew this was addictive, but that was part of the marketing plan, right? Because it gets you to keep buying more if if you're addicted to it. I mean, the the people who are creating these apps, they know, they know know exactly what they're doing. They absolutely know that's the case. So we have to treat it that way. Mm -hmm. We have to recognize that that's the case. And so we have to be putting limits on our kids because otherwise they will get sucked in. It's just the nature of the beast. Totally. But at the same time, and this, this was kind of an interesting learning experience for me, our, our, relationship with our kids technology changed dramatically between child number one and child number four Interesting. um we never had a tv in the house mm. so my oldest grew up you know we had like you know a vcr and we had you know right. watch like some tapes um or, or maybe we had we had um you know dvds that that he would watch when when we would put it on for him right, right? right. to the point where my youngest is in sixth grade now you know has his own laptop and has his right, own right, right. um it's, very different. It, it's, it's extremely different but but i've also realized that technology itself has changed because, you know, when my when my youngest, when my sixth grader, um, you know, does um, get you know gets online, right, and is is you know is is playing in his world in um, in the areas that we allow him right to do, it's it's actually very different than when when my older kids would play video games, right, mm-hmm. because he's actually going online with his friends, right. Right. Right, right, and now he's moved to Boca, and he's still on with his friends from mm. Philadelphia, Interesting. which includes now is from his friends from Boca, and they're actually talking to each other. It's actually not that different than getting together for a play date, huh. right? They're actually having real social interaction with each other. That's right? such an um, interesting building, wow. building something together, cooperating with each other. You know, 
quarreling with each other, which is part of the, you know, right. part of the learning experience. Sure. And and that is fundamentally different, right, than just interacting with a screen, being passive on your own in your own little your own little place. So I wouldn't lump those things together. And some of these you know, if, if they're just going around playing, you know, Fortnite and shooting each other, right, then 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 again that's that's one I, I, I would seriously question that. Right. But if they're building things together, right, mm-hmm. if they're creating worlds together, I think that there's some real value to what sure. the, to, to what they're doing. So I wouldn't write off technology as also I would say, again, so it's two things. It's number one, yes, we have to set limits. No question about it. We have to understand this stuff is addictive. But number two, I think it's important. I think it's very important to be able to articulate to your kids the difference between sort of passive technology right. where I'm, I'm right. scrolling through YouTube and I'm just watching, you know, or, or TikTok or, you know, that and there may be something that's valuable on TikTok also. I don't know, honestly, <laughs> um, but there may be. Um, but but there's a difference between just scrolling through stuff I'm passive about, right? right? And actually engaging and engaging socially and mm-hmm. with real people who you know, right? And using technology as a way to build those kind of social skills and social right. relationships. Right, right, right. Talking about setting limits, what's your what's your take towards discipline? My, my take towards discipline is that discipline has to be a learning opportunity, mm-hmm. right? Which means that you have to be extremely clear with why a st- uh, you know a child has stepped over a line right what the line was that they stepped over and and it's really important that the consequence you know is is in line right. with the with the offense with right, whatever right, it is right, that they totally. did um you know as a parent and again i I'm, I'm speaking only you know not as somebody who does this perfectly but somebody who's who's thought about it knows what they're supposed to do whether they actually do right, <laughs> right. so many times it we it's our own frustration that gets the best of yeah, us yeah and um you know, and and for good reason. Like we're human, also, right? And and we do get frustrated. Yeah, like that's that's you know that's just part of the human condition. Um, but making sure that when that when that happens, or we are able to take a step back, right? And and whatever consequence we're giving our child is one that actually does fit, right? What the what, what the child has done or hasn't done. Um, and then and then there's also perhaps most importantly, and this is true for 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 mechanchim, it's true for parents. The most important thing you can do when it comes to discipline is be consistent, mm. because the minute we're not, it all, yeah, they all goes yeah. down the tubes. They see right, right? through it. They see on. right through it. It's why did you do this? You know, you did it for this one this way. You did it for me this way. Last time it was okay, and this time it wasn't okay. Yeah. It, last time I came to class late, nobody said anything. This time I came to class late, somebody said something. Last time I wore this skirt, nobody cared. Right. right? This time, and and you, they just they lose respect. Yeah. Right. So before. quickly. So, so quickly. quickly. Like just like right? that. So, yeah. you know, we always had we always had this rule when when it came to our administrative meetings when we're thinking about our handbook and such like. Are we ready to enforce this? Mm. Are we ready to enforce it across? If we're not ready to enforce it across the board, better that it not be on the books. Wow. Right? It's just not, because we lose. We all lose. So how do parents and educators, I guess, bring things in if they didn't introduce it in the beginning? Because then it's like going against that consistency. Saying, you know, they, they realize, okay, this is something that we we weren't doing a good job of. We want to be better about that. We want to be a little stricter on that. We want to, you know, enforce that a little more. How do they do that without their children being like, wait, that was okay before like that, you know, own it, just own it. 
So right. listen, up until now, we really haven't been consistent on this. We recognize that, you know, but we've been thinking about it and we, re- we really think this is important. So starting now, this is, this is the way it's going to be. Yeah, that's right? awesome. And, but, but follow through. Yeah. yeah. Follow through. And, and if you think you can parent or educate by making threats and not following through on those threats, it's, you're, you're just, you're just not going to do it. Your, yeah. your kids know, they know. And, um, yeah, much, much better that you don't threaten at all totally. right, than, than that you threaten and don't, you know, don't follow, don't follow through, don't see it through. As we, as we start to wrap up, I want to talk about a, a heavy topic. Okay. Tefillah. Tefillah is, I mean, we, we've touched on it briefly here and there, but, uh, it's really, really hard. How do, I guess, how do schools also parents, both schools and parents make feel a little more accessible for their children, for their students to make it in a way that you know, both their children and their students can really feel like I'm connecting to Hashem, I'm connecting to God, I'm having a conversation in a real deep and genuine way. Yeah. Especially for those who can't go to Israel for a month in the beginning of the year. <laughs> um, it feels hard. It's hard. It's getting harder. It's getting harder in the world we live in of instant gratification, mm-hmm. of instant communication. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because you called it a conversation, right, with, with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but it's unlike any other conversation, right, that I have any place else right. in my world. I mean, there, was once a, there was once a time where you could have a conversation with somebody by writing a letter to them, mm. right? Even when I was young, right? You right. write a letter and, and it would take a few days. Yeah, right, that's such a great point. Right, yeah. and a few days for a response to come back. Yeah, that's a great, Marshall, that's, a, that's great. Right, so I at least had some concept right. of, of a conversation that didn't get an immediate response right. right now if someone doesn't text you or whatsapp you back within a couple of minutes you're like, why are you leaving me on read exactly. what's going on right totally right. wow so so this isn't a conversation like any other conversation we have anyplace else mm-hmm. in our in our world i think that more perhaps more so than speaking about it as a conversation you know thinking about how do we create moments and create value for our kids in the world of disconnecting and being with themselves mm. Right. And, wow. and, it's a deep idea. and helping them to understand that there, there is value in that, that, that there's something we gain or something we lose, right. When we're constantly in conversation with everybody all the time, right. Right. right? That, I'm, that I'm losing a piece of myself that I don't even have time, right. To discover or be with. And I actually get afraid of it sometimes. Yeah. Right? yeah. I'm almost afraid of being with myself. I'm afraid like, and, and, and challenge your kids. Like, what does it feel like to be without your phone, mm-hmm. you know, for X amount of time, you know, um, or, you know, I, Shabbos is an interesting one because we've obviously some of our kids still very much struggle with yeah. being without when, you know, disconnected and others I think have, have, have created a, a, you know, conditioned themselves to doing that, but I don't know that it's necessarily conscious. So sometimes we have to think right, about, like, right. think about the experience mm-hmm. of Shabbos. If you are one who puts their phone away, you know, for all of Shabbos, um, and, and how does that feel? How does, and, and what do we gain right, right. by doing that? I remember a couple of years ago, um, my wife had her class over during the week, I forget even what the, what, what the occasion was. Oh, you know what? I, th- I think it may have been Purim. I think it may have been for Purim mm-hmm. Suda. Nice. And, and we actually were shocked. We're sitting at our, at our dining room table and these girls come in and they actually immediately all took their phones and piled them in the middle of the, de- of the table. Wow. And we had never seen anything like that. Right. And, yeah. and they were conscious of the fact wow. that if they're going to 
enjoy this experience and going to enjoy it more by, by, by putting their phones away. That's awesome. So, so I think creating that awareness for our kids mm-hmm. that there is something to be gained with disconnecting with even for a few minutes a day of being with ourselves and then being with ourselves leads to being with God. Yeah. Right. Um, that that's where we're going to begin to find value. Um, I think there's no question that they need role models, right? They need role and, and, and they're hard to find. Right. Hard to find because yeah. even yeah. when we go to shul in the morning, like yeah. how yeah. many how many people are really, true. you know, having a conversation with God when they're when they're there. So finding the people who who are are really succeeding in that area who really do feel that and helping that and having them articulate what that feels like mm. and looks like to our kids so that they nice. can have role models of that I think is really critical and I think that also you know validating for our kids that this can be hard right that it's it's not necessarily so easy but you know very often in life the uh, the most valuable things you know take work and yeah, they, they yeah, take effort and they totally. don't they don't just come right sure. so let's let's think about how we build this incrementally rather than throwing our kids into it you know okay so now you know now you've got to you've got to do this for 45 minutes you know straight or the you know the worst is when when the kids are are coming into the first time, like, you know, diving with the minion every day and, you know, and, and now it's, it's like slichos, right? <laughs> slichos on, on, on a Monday and a Thursday, right? Aye, aye, aye. Right? So let's, let's at least, let's at least articulate to our kids that we know, we know this is difficult. Right, we know right. this is challenging, mm-hmm. right? Um, but we're going to, we're going to push through it. We're going to find, we're going to find the value in it, right? And we're going to work at it and keep working at it, right? Until this feels like a place we want to be, until this feels like something that is adding value to our lives rather than detracting from it. Totally. And you mentioned that when showing children that when they are by, are with themselves a little bit, then they can be with God. How what? How do they make that connection, or how do you help them make that connection? Yeah. So, I actually find that our kids are, for the most part, are not actually struggling so much with the existence of a Kaddish Baruch Hu, mm-hmm. right? Of a God in the world. There was a it's a great um, sociologist named Christian Smith who did this work a number of years ago. On looking at youth in America, the religious lives of youth in America, and um, he coined this term um, "moralistic therapeutic deism" hmm. to describe what most kids in America were experiencing. Wow, right? what does that is, even mean? <laughs> so, so it, it means that they believe there's a God. Yeah, they believe that God isn't intimately involved necessarily in the day to day, but God wants right, them right, to right, be right. wants them to be good. Mm-hmm. Right, he wants them to be good people, mm-hmm. right? and and be and being a good person ultimately feels good. Right, right. It feels good to be to be good. So it's moralistic and it's theistic, right, and, and it's therapeutic, right. right. But it's ultimately deistic. It's almost like you know. God's there, but he doesn't yeah. really care if right, I right. You know, put on film this morning or I don't, right? Or and and, and I think that's a, there's a good bit of that in our in our community, uh, in our community as well, right? Hundred percent, right? So so I don't know that we need to convince them, you know, that God is there, that right? But but I think that creating these quiet spaces, right, and, and allows them the opportunity. To say, okay, well, now there's nobody else to talk to, right? So, yeah, you can talk to yourself, but you can also talk to God, right? And he's listening, uh-huh. right? He's listening. And show them the chachma, right? That's that's what this was designed to do, right? right? Showing them right? that God is involved. Right. For, for sure, right? And that, and that, and that Karsh Baruch Hu knew and Chazal knew that we would need these times, right? So, we, we take we take the society we live in and we, we turn it on its head, meaning Chazal knew there was going to be a time where we're so wrapped up in the world, 
this works for Shabbos, right? Right. right? right. Think of the brilliance of Shabbos, right? Today in a world where totally, so right, right. right now we totally. see it. Oh yeah. my goodness. What an amazing concept, right? I know that if I didn't have Shabbos, I would be working 24 seven. I, I, it's just the reality, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and now I can't, right? So the same thing comes with davening, right? So we know that there is value to taking a few minutes every day to being, right? Being unplugged, being untethered, right? So, so Akash Baruch Hu gave us that, right. right? Now let's use that. But for the kids who are not, who are not into that, meaning who are not feeling like, well, exactly like you described, I can't repeat those words, but, uh, you know, who, who feel like God, God exists, but is not involved in my day to day. So why would they connect it to feel or how can we help them then to believe and feel truly, genuinely in a real way that God is involved to be able to, you know, that seems like, like you're saying, make that, make that close the gap in on what Tfila, where Tfila is, is such an issue. So how, how do we get them there? So, one of the things that I've tried with kids over the time, you know, where, for those kids who are struggling, is to encourage them to even articulate their challenges to God, mm-hmm. right? Their anger at God, or if if nothing more, tell God, you're not involved in my life. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't see you. Show me, right? That's a form of tefillah. Right. You're talking to God. Yeah, totally. Right? You're talking to God, right? So whatever it is you might be feeling at this point, right? Tell them. Right. Tell and you've encouraged them. students to do that for what? I mean, what's, how does that, what's the... I have told them that, you know, I, I had, I'm thinking of one student in particular whose life was, was tough. She mm-hmm. was going through a whole bunch of different things at home. Um, and she didn't, she didn't know if she believed because looking at my life, it doesn't look like anybody's really, uh, right. you know, guiding this in any, in, in, in any particular way, or at least not in any good way. In a kind way towards right. me. Right. Exactly. So I said, okay, so just, just take a few minutes during the avening and, and say that to him or just say it, just say it, say it to yourself. Right. 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 To some degree hit, like, hit palel, right. It's, it's a reflexive, right. right. It's a flexive exercise. It's, totally. it's a time to reflect on ourselves. That's why, right. That's why we have Shimon Asray the way it, it is. Right? Shimon Asray is all about our needs and the rough rights, right. It's about helping us to reflect on what is important and what isn't important in our lives. What are the things we do need? What are the things we don't need? Or pushing kids to recognize, even if you don't see God in control, right? So at least recognize where you don't have control, Mm -hmm. right? Where are the areas, what are the things that you, you can't just, your health, right? At the end of the day, yeah, there are certain things you can do to stay healthy, but we all know, Right there, there are areas Especially with here, what's going on now. Right, that you just can't control. Sure. So there's value for you, right, just in terms of retaining your own humility, your own sense of self, to stick it up and say, you know what, there's some, I, I can't control this. I recognize these are areas of my life I can't control. You know, how smart I'm going to be, you know, I, I don't. I don't know. I don't really have control. I can study for this test, but there there are limits. There's there certain things that are just just out of my control. The stress level I have right in in, in my life is just sometimes things are going to be stressful. I'm not going to you know the things that I won't necessarily be able to control. There's value in simply stating and right, and, and recognizing. We were talking about vulnerability, right? There's there's value to others, right? When you articulate your vulnerability to them, but there's mm-hmm. value to yourself, right, right? Right? When you allow yourself to be to, to be, be vulnerable. vulnerable. Right. So here's mm-hmm. a moment, right, where just allow yourself in your own space to be vulnerable to articulate those vulnerabilities. Right? That that's a form of tefillah, right? right? And if that becomes something that you can work into your own your own daily regimen, I think. It will 
soon become something that they associate with with Akash Baruch. Wow, it's amazing. It's a very very insightful. Thank you for sharing. And just to to wrap up, are there any books or svarim that you'd re- recommend for our listeners to uh, you know broaden their horizon in parenting, Jewish education? Parenting. There's actually a, a book that was written probably ten years ago now um, by a guy named Richard Weisbord. Um, it's called uh, "The Parents We Mean to Be." Hmm. Um, which is a fantastic book. And in fact, uh, for the educators out there, um, Rick, he goes by Rick, Rick Weisbord. He's, um, he's at the Harvard School of, uh, the Graduate School of Education. Mm. Um, he's fantastic. Everything he writes is, is really fantastic. Okay. Um, check it out. And he has a, um, they have a, a project called, for schools called um, Making Caring Common. Um, which is also, I think, very, very powerful. Yeah, so very I cool. would, uh, I would highly advise both parents and educators to take a look at uh, at White Sports. Amazing. Right? Okay. Well, thank you yeah. so, so much for yeah. so much wisdom and giving over so much to parents, to educators. That really, I mean, for myself, I found this to be extremely insightful and and an amazing, amazing conversation. And I know for our listeners will be as well. So thank you so much for taking the time out today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Wow. This entire conversation was so informative. We really got to cover so many topics, so many areas with Rabbi Pearl. He offers so much wisdom in so many areas. I told you some of my takeaways in the beginning. I want to hear from you. What were yours? I'd love to hear. Reach out at jeducation.org. Stay posted for the next episode of Jeducation featuring the famous Rabbi J.J. Schachter. Until next time.